This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. It's going to help us with scripture reading. That's taken from Mark chapter 2, 1 to 12. Uh, Pastor Y will be preaching from this passage later on. So that's Mark 2, 1 to 12. You can open up your Bible. So there's a verse on the screen as well. Give you a few moments to do that. All right, Mark chapter 2, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, he made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like that. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Edward. Morning, good to see you all. I just want to begin by giving you this scenario. So let's say we are sitting at a coffee shop and I say to you, hey, the man over there just withdrew $200 from the ATM but he left the money there. Now, how many of you, if the coffee shop is you know, across the road from the ATM, okay, how many of you would actually get up, cross the road and see if the money is there? Anyone? Okay. okay, okay, okay. What about if the coffee shop is just next to the ATM. Okay, so it's just, you know, 10 meters away. And I said, hey, that man just withdrew $200. He took his card, but he didn't take the money. Okay, who would get up and go and check? Okay, okay, thank you for being honest. Okay, so some boys over there. In the first service, okay, it was only a Carlson who raised up. Maybe nobody here wants to show that they're very uh, greedy for money or something. Okay, now, the point is that Unless you actually get up, go to the ADM to check it out, you would not know. You could not confirm or verify whether the money is there or not. And only if you got up and went. And if the money is there, then you can be $200 richer. Or for Carlson, he says, I get a chance to do a good deed. I can take the money and try and return it to the guy who left it there. Ah, okay. So he's not taking it for himself. Okay, now, let me just say that Uh, A man did leave $200 in the ATM. It was me. 
Okay, on the day that this talk was prepared, maybe I was thinking about a talk or whatever, I withdrew $200 for the kids' tuition, took the card, and I just walked off. Okay? And it was only hours later that I hey, must give money for the tuition. Aren't I know I withdrew, but where is it? I, oh, I left it there. And then my wife said, go and check. I said, go and check for what? <laughs> of course, it's gone already. Um, okay, so anyway, the point is, a man did leave. $200 at the ATM, okay? And only if you were the sort of person who would get up, go and check it out for yourself, then you would be $200 richer, okay? Like those boys over there, or for Carlson, uh, have a chance to do a good deed. Now, actually, that's the, the thing I want to get you to think about, is that you need to see for yourself. Okay, we're asking a question today about, you know, why bother with Jesus? We're going to say a few things to give you some reasons, but at the end of the day, you need to see for yourself. You need to go and check it out whether any of these things are true. You need to investigate for yourself. So, the passage that was read for us, uh, basically, <clears throat> it has this headline. I mean, like, what if you saw this on your Instagram feed or Facebook, you know, someone sent to you WhatsApp. You know, it's about this story of what, you know, Edward read for us, that a huge crowd sees a paralyzed man being healed. Okay, so, you know, Jesus was teaching in that house, and there were a lot of people there. But these friends, you know, they bring their paralyzed friend, and they could not get in because there were so many people there. They actually make a hole in the roof, and they lower their friend. Okay, so, and it is in front of everybody that this man that they, they probably would have met in the village, they know he's paralyzed but he walks at the command of Jesus. Now, what's even more amazing is that the point Jesus wants to teach by healing this ex-paralyzed man is he wants to show that he has the authority to forgive sins. So what if you saw this, you know, at Facebook, you know, newsfeed, or someone sent to you, like, would you think that it is fake news? You know, or you saw the video, you think, ah, it must be a deep fake or something like that. Well, the point is, unless you check it out for yourself, you would never know. Now, I got, I don't, just make two simple points in this talk. The first point I want to make is that it could be true. This story, this account of what Jesus did in healing this man and, you know, declaring that he has forgiveness, or the authority to forgive sins, it could be true. It could be true. Now, the reason why I say that, and uh, there's a lot of things we could say, but I'm just going to uh, focus in on one or two points to try and get across to you why it could be true. Now, the first thing I want to make is, the first point I want to make is that this story is taken from Mark's gospel. Uh, Mark is a follower of Jesus, and he recorded uh, these eyewitness accounts of what people saw, of what Jesus said and did. And we have today, you know, like manuscripts like this, you know, hundreds of years old, thousands of years old, and we have thousands of these copies. And when you compare all the available manuscripts of what Mark wrote, now there may be slight spelling differences, you know, maybe uh, the word the is missing, some people put Jesus Christ, some people put Christ Jesus, but thousands of manuscripts, and they essentially say the same thing. Okay, which means we have confidence that we have access today to what Mark wrote 
So Mark, you know, he wrote in the first century, and we have copies of what he has written, faithful, reliable copies. All the copies essentially agree. Okay, so we have access to what he wrote. But the second point could be, yes, you have what he wrote, but how do you know that he wrote you know, reliably? How do you know it was eyewitness accounts? I mean, he could have made it up. Okay, so uh, the next little thing I want to get to your attention is how do we know that Mark's account has the ring of eyewitness authenticity? Okay, we'll, we'll get to this chart later. But let me just get you to imagine that you have two books, okay, and two books that claim to record the history of a Malaysian village in the 1950s. Okay, so you've got two books, and one of them is an eyewitness account of a Malaysian village, 1950s. The other one is made up. Okay, how are you going to tell which one is the real one, which one is the made up one? Okay, well, one thing you can look at is names. Okay, so uh, here is this chart where people have done research. Okay? They looked at all the letters, all the accounts, all the available correspondence that we have today of Israel in the first century. Okay? I mean, that's when Jesus was walking around. And they found that the top two men's names, okay? Simon and Joseph, Okay, so just like today, Singapore, what might be the most common man's names? You know, David and Jonathan or something like that, right? Now, in Israel, in the first century, it was Simon and Joseph. Okay? And it made up 15.6% of all the names. So they, like, they found all these names, okay? And they counted, lah, okay? And so they found most common, and it takes up 15.6%. Now, Come back to the Malaysian village. Now, if someone was, you know, in 2021, trying to make up a story, okay, make up a history of this Malaysian village, that person would have to give names to his characters. And because he's trying to trick people, he would, of course, come up with, you know, uh, credible names, uh, like maybe Muhammad or Ismail. You know, so he would name his characters. Okay? But, you see what, uh, we have in the, in the Bible. Okay, so in the second column is the Gospels and Acts. The Gospels are the, the biographies of Jesus. So you may have heard of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the biographies of Jesus. And then Acts is the book of uh, the history of how the church grew. Now, when you count the number of times Simon and Joseph appear, in these historical books, it is, you can see for yourself, 18.2%. Okay, the point is that it is very close to what we know about how common Simon and Joseph were in the first century. Like, you cannot make it up. So if you are, you know, writing in 2021, you're trying to make up, you know, a story about Malaysian village, you might name your characters Ismail and Muhammad but you will never get the percentage right to what was actually the most common and how common they were. So even the top nine men's names, right? 41.5% of the population had those names. In these historical documents of the Bible, 
You can see for yourself, 40.3%. You cannot, cannot fake this. So there is this ring of eyewitness authenticity. So that the historical biographies of Jesus that we have, they have that eyewitness ring of truth. Now, I just want to show you uh, that this is the case in the book of Matthew, where he names the 12 disciples of Jesus. Okay, so beside each name is a number, and the number represents their rank, how common, how popular the name is. Okay, so uh, when Matthew names the disciples, he says, okay, Simon, and because Simon is a common name, he needs to specify which Simon. Well, Simon, the one called Peter. And then Andrew. Now, Andrew doesn't even have a number next to it, which meant that it was not a common name, unlike today. You know, this is St. Andrew's, huh? So very different in the first century. Andrew was not a common name. So uh, no number, and all Matthew has to say is just, oh, his brother. James is a common name. So Matthew has to specify it is the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip, number 61, not common. So Matthew just says, Philip. And then Bartholomew, not common. So he just says, Bartholomew. Now the point is, there are many other such evidences we can go into. If you look at them, there is this inescapable you know, weight pushing towards these documents have that ring of eyewitness you know, authenticity about it. It could be true. It could be true. Now, the next point I want to make is that if it's true, if it's true, then it's really good news. Now, come back to the, the man who left $200 there. What if instead of saying he left $200, what if I said that man at the ATM, he dropped a one-cent coin? Okay, now how many will actually get up to go and see? Ah, okay, well, those two boys there. Okay, but most of us know, okay? Because even if it's true, it's not worth the effort, right? But what we're saying about Jesus is, if it's true, if the things that we say about him, what we learn about him, if it's true, then it's really good news. It's actually worth seeing for yourself, checking it out. Because if it's true, then you have a chance to embrace it and believe it. Now, no one is going to force you to believe something you don't want to believe. But what if it's true and you take the effort to find out? Then you get a chance to benefit from the good news that it is. Now, a few things I want to say about why it's good news. Okay, three quick points. Is that if it's true... It means there's meaning to life. There's meaning to life. Now, some of you might have read this book, uh, The Eagle Has Landed by Jack Higgins. Now, Jack Higgins is a really successful author, right? 83, 85 novels to his name, 150 million of his books in print, translated to 53 languages. I mean, he is, by any account, a successful author. And when Jack Higgins was 60 years old, he was asked, what do you now know at 60? 
that you wish you knew when you were 16. So Jack Higgins said, I wish when I was 16, someone would come and tell me that when you get to the top, there is nothing there. You see, Jack Higgins has enjoyed that wealth, <clears throat> that success, that fame. And he realized that it did not bring about the fulfillment he thought they would. Now, in this room, we have people who are, you know, between 16 to 60 and, you know, even beyond. Take it from someone who has been there. He's gotten to the top and he's found that they do not. These things, the wealth and the success and the fame, it does not bring about the fulfillment, the meaning that he thought it would. Because it is only in knowing Jesus that there is meaning to life. Now, the reason why knowing Jesus gives us meaning, because the second point is that knowing Jesus gives us a way to make sense of life. Knowing Jesus gives us a way to make sense of life. Now, the picture I have on the slide is of a map. And what if uh, you were in a you know, foreign country, okay, which none of us can be? Okay, so what if you were in an unfamiliar part of Singapore? And even if you had a map of that part of Singapore, some of us might struggle to find our way around. What would really help us if, you know, like that uh, red thing there, if someone could point out to us a landmark, you know, maybe this hotel or something, and then we could go, ah, okay, on the map, this is the hotel, and then, oh yeah, I'm, you know, opposite from the hotel. It will really help you to orientate and make use of the map. Now, what we're saying is Jesus is that landmark. He is that figure who is big enough, powerful enough. I mean, the things that he teaches, the things that he has done, it impacts on every sphere of our lives, every level of our humanity. He is that big enough figure to be that landmark, to give us a way to make sense of life. Like for, you know, work. <laughs> what, uh, what Edward would say later. Huh? Okay, well, it was quite funny. I don't spoil the thunder. Okay, but he, it, you know what, what Edward would say about work? You know, like some people view work in this way, but what is work about? What is marriage about? You know, some of us have come back from a marriage retreat. You know, Friday, Saturday, we stayed at someone's house. We went through the marriage material. And we saw testimonies of couples, Christian couples. You know, they may be struggling through different things, but because they know Jesus, they had a way to navigate their troubles, their problems in their marriage. Knowing Jesus gives us a way to make sense of life. Because he is that big enough landmark. Now, the reason why he's that sort of a big landmark, now to come back to what we said earlier, is he is the one who can offer forgiveness for sins. You know that account where, you know, what, what Edward read to us, he actually declares he has authority to forgive sins. He is that big enough figure to make sense and to give meaning to our lives because he is powerful enough to offer forgiveness of sins. Now, before I was a Christian, I had, you know, in my own head, personal standards of what it meant to be you know, a good son, a good friend, a good student. 
And even before I was Christian, I already knew that these personal standards of mine, there would be numerous times when I would not even meet my own standards. Huh? Like the, the test that I set for myself, I would even fail my own test. Okay? Uh, what more? What more if God exists? What if there is a God? What if this God is a God who has made us, you know, given us life, created us, you know, made this world, made this universe that we live in, I mean, the, the air that we breathe in, the, the food that we enjoy, I mean, the talents that we have, the resources it's given us. I mean, what if there is a God who has given us all these things? And so many of us, we have lived this life, we have used these resources for our own benefit. Like, we've not used them to honour this God, we've not used them in a way that, that shows our thankfulness, our gratitude to this God. So this is what the Bible calls sin, where we live this life without regard for the God who is there. You know, you really hate it, right, if it happens to you. You prepare a nice meal, you open up your home for people to come, and when they come and then they eat your meal and they treat your hospitality with contempt, I mean, you hate it when it happens to you. But most of us, we do it all the time to God. You know, like this handsome face is given me, I've, I've used it for my own benefit. You know, to seduce that woman who was sitting there in the first service. You know, I've used it for my own benefit. And all of us have done this. And this is what the Bible calls sin. This is why in the account that Edward read for us, when Jesus actually declares, your sins are forgiven to the paralyzed man, the religious leaders, they are in an uproar. They are going, what is this guy talking about? This man, this mere human, announcing forgiveness, pronouncing forgiveness, only God can forgive sins. And, and that's right, because if what we're saying, if sin is this rebelling, this rejecting, this disregarding of God, not living with Him in the center of our lives, that is sin. It is a sin against God, and it is something that only God can forgive. But in the account that we read together, Jesus heals the paralyzed man. And His purpose of doing this miraculous thing is to say, I want you to know, I want you to really, you know, create space in your mind, investigate for yourself, entertain the possibility that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins because he's just done something that no mere human could do. Paralyzed man. I mean, this man didn't just have, you know, like pins and needles, or couldn't walk or, you know, knee pain. He was paralyzed huge crowd was there and he's walking again how do we know that because well we have the reliable ringing with eyewitness authenticity account of the historical documents and in those documents jesus says i'm healing this man to show you to prove to you that i have authority to forgive sins now all of this, right, no one is going to force you to believe something you don't want to believe, but the point is you need to see for yourself. Actually ask the friend who invited you, hey, you know, 
show me some of these historical documents. You know, maybe open up to this gospel, the, the, the account of Mark. Read it for yourself. Read it with your friend. See for yourself. If the things that Jesus says, what he has done, the way he's described, does it not have a ring of truth? Now, you don't have to believe anything. Just open it up. Just see for yourself. Just take that first step. See where that journey leads. I hope, they, I hope you find this helpful. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.